So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. Should say. Oh, there we are. We are live. I'm super excited to be joined by three high-ranking Adidas officials today. Um, I'm super excited, really, to uh, just have a conversation with you guys. Um, obviously, like when you think of the sneaker industry, you think of like just how do I get into this giant that is the sneaker industry, and how do I get a brand to really realize like um, what is like how do I get in and how how do how do I get my resume into the right person's hands so I'm super excited to talk to the three of you uh, about just that and answer any questions that may be come to fruition or anything like that but before we get into questions uh, do the three of you let's go let's let's start with Colin first Colin do you want to start off by telling people like who you are and what you do yeah sure you got started yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, well, first, thanks everyone for being here. I know it's uh, always fun to join, you know, Zoom University and be on on another. <laughs> our, uh, so appreciate the time. Uh, so I'm Colin Lashway. I've been uh, with Adidas for about six and a half years. Um, I am a university recruiter. Uh, we call it Future Talent. So uh, joined our Future Talent team officially in January, but was kind of working on some projects and stuff with the team prior to that, uh, which is how I met uh, Bernadette and Nick. So. Um, yeah, I've been with the brand for a little while, kind of started with, as an intern myself. So a lot of the stuff that I work on now, uh, basically I went through it four years ago. So, um, and even before that I worked retail. So it's been a pretty fun journey to be uh, in the brand. And I know we'll probably cover some more of those topics a little bit later on, but uh, Portland native, born and raised, didn't really stray too far from home geographically. I uh, still live uh, here in the city and um, uh, yeah, just love that I get to work for Adidas and really excited to be here. Awesome. Bernie, you want to give it a go? Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Bernadette, but you can call me Bernie. Um, I am originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I moved out here in around 2018 for the job. Uh, currently, I'm working as an art director and designer on the global brand design team, which is kind of like our internal advertising team. And I also started out as an intern, so I've also been through the the process of figuring it out and figuring out where my career is going to go and how to get into everything. So yeah, that's me. Nick, I think you're the last one here. I was going to say, I think that leaves it to me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm uh, Nick Zemer. I have been with the brand for just over five years now. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, went to school there, grew up there, moved out to Portland, probably about right around the same time so just about five years ago um i didn't move out here for the job i moved out here and then found the job uh and then yeah so i work on a team within adidas that focuses on 3d it's called the advanced creation technologies team so we do uh digital and 3d from uh beginning to end of our pipeline nice that's awesome you three have such like creative roles and it's Super dope for people to, uh, anybody that's listening or anything like that, just to hear the different types of roles. Because when you think sneakers, uh, and we run into this a lot, when you think sneakers, it's like, oh, you can only design a sneaker. You can't mm-hmm. kind of be a recruiter. You, you, you can't do digital marketing. You can't be anything else. But you, 
you can, and it's just cool uncovering those opportunities. So um, before we get into the next question, I do want to hit something with Colin. And yeah. you said you were an intern and, and Bernie, uh, both interns at Adidas. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? There's a lot of college students right now. I was one of them applying like crazy trying to get into this conglomerate and I would never, I would hear back, but it was the email saying I wasn't chosen. So mm-hmm. how did those opportunities come about? Yeah, I, I think my, my opportunity came up like really organically, honestly, like I was, um, uh, we did it a little bit differently back then in 2017, but um, I was a junior in college actually, and I applied for our internship program, applied for two roles. I was working in the store and I was like, I got an in, right? Like I work literally off the campus, like I've got it made. Uh, applied for two roles as a junior and actually got declined for the first two, two things I applied for. Um, then as a college senior, I was like super bummed. I loved the brand. I loved my job. Uh, had that had that goal in mind, but actually, you know, faced rejection like you like every you know most students do. So um, approaching my senior year, I was actually at a university like alumni event uh, and met who uh, a, an alumni from our school who's actually still on the recruiting team. Uh, her and I just uh, kind of met afterwards. She mentioned Adidas, uh, and so we just kind of struck up. Uh, kind of that network there. And then I had another um, friend who worked at Adidas. She was a bit, she's a year older than me. Um, so she came into the store one day and shop and we did one of those, like, I think I know you, we go to school together and we used to. So uh, just through, you know, those two networks uh, and those two friendships, just kind of, uh, they led me into kind of the application process. And then uh, we're like, Hey, I know you're a senior. You should still apply for the program. Uh, back then, again, it was a little bit different. So um, very organic. It came up through networking and, and kind of knowing people and um, was really, really fortunate to have some friends kind of, you know, um, looking out for me, but still went through the application process. After being rejected, I was still kind of nervous about it uh, and then landed an internship from there. So I was really, um, really blessed, really fortunate for that opportunity, but uh, definitely had some, some you know, network and some friends looking out for me, which really helped. So um uh, yeah, that's a little bit about my my journey, but. Yeah, I kind of um, just fell into the opportunity as well. Um, uh, my college, College for Career Studies, is a design school in Detroit. They um, invite college recruiters there, um, I think every so often. Um, and Adidas sent recruiters, but they were actually looking for industrial design students. But me and I, I majored in illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like a funny path to where I am now. But me and a couple of illustration students were like, hey, can we just get some time on your schedules? Like, we just let to show you our portfolios. We don't really know what it's going to lead to. And um, yeah, just from, from them taking a chance and putting me in a, in a um, kind of on an art direction team as an illustrator and seeing what I could do. That's kind of how I ended up um, on the team back in 2015, actually, was my first internship. I actually did two rounds of internship. Well, I guess technically three <laughs> rounds of internships before I got a full, uh, full-time position. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. And then like, Nick, you're just in Portland and an opportunity falls on your lap or like, were you actively seeking a role at Adidas or at any type of footwear company in, in Portland? So actually I was not looking for a footwear company or anything like that. My background is not 
footwear. I'm not a footwear designer. Like that's not my thing. Um, I was actually working in advertising. So I worked at an ad agency in Chicago doing, uh, you know, 3D artwork for print stuff for Bose headphones and, you know, Gillette and Under Armour, stuff like that. And decided I wanted to change things up. So I decided to quit my job in advertising and just move out to Portland because it was a place I've always wanted to live and just kind of took the risk and did it. And then was searching job boards and was not really finding much. I felt really confident before I moved out to Portland. I was like, I feel like my portfolio is great. I feel like I'm going to be able to do this. And then I got out there and I almost like instantly regretted my decision because I was like, man, I am like not finding anything. I'm like scared to death now, I'm, like applying everywhere. But then I came across a job posting for a 3D designer for Adidas and applied for it. And the rest is just kind of history, honestly. <laughs> it was wow. uh, really, uh, I have to say the, the amount of burden that jumped off my shoulders after that was like insanely immense it was crazy wow that's crazy like each of you have such like oh gosh what's the word i'm just going to use crazy crazy stories just landing that role um and there's so many people on this right now that are thinking like there's only that one way in but in reality, there's a back door, there's a side door, there's so many doors in, in this huge conglomerate that is Adidas or any other brand out there that you can open. It's just kind of finding which door it is. So um, let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, let's ask or answer somebody's question. I'm going to take the first question that was um, in. And I think, Colin, you might, you might be the first one or the, the right one to ask is Sarah Troy asked, what makes a resume stand out? And then from a portfolio side, um, what makes it stand, stand out, Bernie? So one of you guys can go first and then the other one can go next. Uh, Colin, you want to go first and I'll come, come in after? <laughs> sure. So, uh, yeah, I thank you for the question, Sarah. It's, it's, uh, I think there's in my, my perspective is there's no, there's no like one, one way to do a resume well, but there's a lot of ways not to do it well, if that makes sense. So <laughs> I think that um, when you're looking at a resume or a portfolio or a website or, or any body of work that you're presenting, I think in an application process, as a recruiter, and, and I know a lot of our team would probably echo this, is, is authenticity really shines through. And so think about what's the story you want to tell and who do you really want to convey in that resume? Um, you know, there's a lot of tactical ways you can do this, you know, a lot of verbiage you can use and kind of templates and formats and things like that. But I think really just sit down and look at your resume and, and make it who you are and make sure that your voice is really shining through in that. Uh, so whether that be, you know, if you have a bio at the top, you know, kind of uh, adding something personal about yourself there, like, what do you, what do you like and what are you into outside of work, you know, and I think your resume is a great opportunity to show the experiences you've done and kind of the skills you bring to the table. Uh, but then with those other bodies of work, like a portfolio or, or a website, that's a great opportunity just as a recruiter for us to see, okay, who are you and kind of what, you know, what makes you who you are? Uh, what makes you tick? What are you interested in? And, uh, you know, when we recruit, especially for our internship program, we do things a little bit differently than corporate, uh, but we really try to look at the holistic, uh, you know, view of, of a candidate. And we're not just looked at for, okay, what are those technical skills that you can bring to the table? But, uh, you know, what, what are you motivated by? Like, what are those things that you're really, 
um, uh, interested in outside of, again, kind of those skills. So your resume, I think, tells that, that story, but there's a lot of kind of creative and authentic ways that you can kind of show up within that resume, and it's a great opportunity to do that. Um, again, we could probably have a whole separate call about all those things, but uh, just, I think, taking kind of a 30,000 foot view of it and just saying like, what's the story I'm telling and what's kind of that authentic message that I'm portraying? Um, and are you happy with it? And I think that that's um, kind of first and foremost where to, where to kind of start. But Bernie, what do you think about like portfolios and things that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, I'm basically gonna mirror a lot of things you said, even when working with you, when we were going through applicants, um, mm -hmm. the portfolios that stood out along with the resumes that stood out were the ones where you could see the person shine through the most. Yeah. Of course, in a portfolio, you need some kind of technical skill. You need to show that you are capable to some degree, but it's not always the most technically acute portfolio that's gonna be the one that gets the position. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what stood out to me in, in overviewing portfolios was, let's say you have a prompt from your professor, right? Um, it could be a basic prompt. Let's say it's like an advertising prompt or like a, uh, a packaging design prompt. But did that person take this opportunity to tell a larger story? Did that person take this opportunity to use this basic prompt, but then infuse themselves in it somehow? Um, and I know it's hard to do like personal projects, especially if you're a student or you don't have a lot of work experience, but if you do any type of like self-motivated project or if you take these design prompts and kind of use them as a way to tell your authentic story, that's what really makes you shine through. Um, yeah, and that's kind of your best bet because like your individual story is your kind of superpower in these things, right? Like anybody can draw a really cool shoe, but did you make it yours? Mm -hmm. And, and that's such a good point. And if I could add just one thing too, is, is we talk about having a growth mindset a lot. You'll kind of hear that buzzword thrown around a little bit, but um, for us too, when you're like looking at that stuff, it's what did you learn from that experience, right? So, uh, you know, whether it be freelance work or just projects you pick up on the side and stuff like that, it's really cool to see like what you can do, but in a portfolio, in a website, on a resume, if you can tell what are those things that you really learned and took away from that experience, that's super impressive, right? Because it shows not only that you're doing the work, but you're also attentive to kind of the journey it takes along the way. Um, and so I know that you know, between Nick and Bernie and I, when we were sitting down for the, some of their internship roles this summer, we were looking at that stuff. It was like, can this person kind of show and exude that growth mindset and that motivation kind of beyond their technical skills? And that's kind of the foundation, but how do we build from there? So it's like, yeah, I love that point. I love it. So I want to talk about education really quick. And um, specifically, like we have programs like Yellow Brick and in, in Sneaker School where mm -hmm. somebody can go in like myself and I got a certificate in a year and was, I kind of did the hard work to, and use that certificate to put me in the right positions. Um, and then you have people that are going into four-year universities and looking for uh, a, something in marketing with Adidas or product management with Adidas or anything like that. So is there something that, is there like a preference from the Adidas side? Like, like when we're looking at education, are we looking at, hey, is there a four-year degree here? Or is there, is somebody doing the work uh, within whatever degree or certificate that they have um, to show that they're really committed and they have that growth mindset? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, uh, that we're starting to kind of see a transition in that space. You know, we're, we're as a team, just as a broad TA team, we're trying to step away from that years of experience requirement, you know, and sometimes if it's like 
you know, managerial role, like obviously that, that, that experience is, is really important. And um, there's some of those things that are kind of required, but for the most part, you know, especially with entry-level roles, like we're trying to get away from those hard and fast, traditionally hard and fast requirements, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's ridiculous that entry-level roles have like five years required. It's like, how can you get it if you don't have the experience? <laughs> that cycle that never ends. So, uh, you know, for us, I think when we're looking at some of those um, uh, kind of requirements, we're, we're, we're putting that on the back burner and we're focusing more on what can this person do and where have they been able to show that they can do that before. So whether it be a certificate program, whether it be prior internship experience or whether it just be in a, in a project you worked on in a classroom, right? All of those are so valuable in their own right. So again, it goes back to like, how can you tell that story to convey that you learned something from that experience, that you were able to show what you can do and kind of your skills um, and what you brought to the table through that experience. Um, and so again, it's, it's, it's also, you know, good work as a recruiter to go back and kind of check our bias and check ourselves, right. Is, is now we're trying to look, you know, not just at those educational requirements, but also, you know, how are we kind of breaking down barriers to allow for more access into the industry? That's, that's considered untraditional, but, um, my hope is in the future, it's more of a norm, right? So, um, it's a journey that we're on. Uh, we're just kind of in the first few steps of that, but the cool part is, is that conversation's happening, you know, um, and that's super important. So. I love that. I really do. What um, want to get Nick involved a little bit. So if Nick, if you can, what like, obviously you weren't looking for a role in footwear, but now that you've been in footwear, what should people know about the industry? And then we can give uh, the other two their their time to shine too. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I've noticed, particularly in the last five years since I've started at Adidas, is there's a big shift towards digital, especially going forward now. Like, you know, there's so many things that are being designed in, you know, VR now. Like, you know, there's stuff like Gravity Sketch. There's all these really new ways of designing. There's Flow 3D for apparel. Um, there's, you know, Rhino for footwear design. There's so many different ways that people are designing these days that it's not just, uh, you know, being able to sketch a shoe, which is, you know, crazy important but you know some of the things that you know we look for especially on a digital side is the people that are you know trying out these new avenues of uh design they're not just you know once you get down those fundamentals that's super important but then you know experimenting going outside testing out those new technologies that stuff is you know it's crazy how fast the industry is adopting these new design tools and then also how fast they're coming out. So it's like every year there's like, you know, huge steps in how these things are, you know, being rolled out, how they're becoming way more affordable, like VR headsets, you know, five years ago were crazy expensive, but now you can get them for like, you know, a couple hundred dollars. You can have one and you don't even need a computer to hook it up to anymore. So there's like all these uh, new technologies, these things, they're becoming, they're, they're making their way into the industry a lot more. So there's a lot more roles for, you know, 3D designers in, you know, footwear and apparel and stuff like that, which is, you know, when I was first starting out, those were, it was kind of the, the groundwork was being laid. That was kind of what my first role was, was helping lay these groundwork. So going out and training designers on how to use these tools and how they could fit into their workflows. And over the years, they're now becoming adopted. So now you're seeing a lot of these people coming out of schools or, you know, courses that 
are utilizing 3D. So they're using, you know, Keyshot to do renders and things like that. And you're seeing a lot more of these designers having these, you know, kind of digital or 3D experience, which is a really cool thing to watch. That's awesome. Colin? No, that's, that's Nick nailed it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, do you have anything? Uh, would you actually mind restating the question? I got so lost. <laughs> you, you are good. Um, so is there something that um, you would tell the people that are on right now about they should about what they should know about the industry from the inside looking up? Yeah, I mean, it's really it's interesting kind of coming from like an advertising viewpoint on it because like, um, like I can't like recommend programs or anything like that. But I think in like an advertising mindset and like a storytelling mindset, I think globally and just socially, we're recognizing the need to be more authentic and tuned into what's actually happening and acknowledging, um, you know, the variety of culture and the realities of culture. And this even seeps into the shoe industry and the advertising industry. So I think you have to have an inherent interest in um, telling authentic stories and finding different ways to tell those stories, whether it's a photo shoot, whether it's, you know, an interview series, whether it's videography, like you kind of have to have a, um, a really well-minded, uh, really well-rounded well mindset in order to kind of, um, you know, kind of be competitive in this space and to, and to really get something out there that's meaningful. And that can be in relationship to a shoe, it can be in relationship to an athlete, or the culture that that athlete um, comes from. You kind of have to think about it all. Interesting. So there's, uh, Bernie, to, to kind of build off of that, the culture side, there's a lot of Yellow Brick students and people that are really out there that are trying to get into brands and trying to get into Adidas that are Black women and or Black or Brown in, in general. And uh, when they look at the brand, they don't really see themselves in there. Do you, do, can you say something on that? Like, how, how do you feel as a black woman at, at Adidas? I mean, that's a reality, right? It's an mm -hmm. old German company started by a white German man. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just, that's what it is. Now, do I think the conversation is being had to change that, uh, to diversify that? Yes. Um, are they anywhere near close to, you know, reflecting the realities of their consumer base no um and uh just speaking for now a young person a young black woman a young uh black brown poc any type of minority person trying to bring into the industry you are going to be um extra minoritized like mm -hmm. it is often i it's not unusual for me to find myself being the only woman in a conversation and the only black person in the conversation you know mm -hmm. So that is something that um, you're gonna have to face. I don't think it should be a deterrent though, because mm -hmm. uh, if we find ourselves with the um, good fortune to be in these positions, we should definitely be trying to pave the way for more people who look like us, who sound like us, who come from our backgrounds to also be in these positions. Um, and the reality is like, they need more people behind these doors um, who look, like I said, look like their consumer base, who look like the people who come from the cultures that they're trying to sell to, um, and they need to invest in this. So, um, you know, it's an ongoing kind of 
kind of struggle and ongoing reality. Um, it gets really uh, interesting at times, but um, but I very much appreciate the position that I'm in, even though you know I had to deal with those realities. I just had on um, David Gibson, who's a part of another brand that won't be won't be named, but um, <laughs> I just had him on my podcast, and he said something on my podcast that was interesting. He said, I asked him, I said, like, when it's all said and done, what do you want? Like, what impact do you want to leave in his current role or in his career in general? And he said he wants to just be known for selling the, sending the elevator back down, but then also creating a community within said mm -hmm. brand um, to have multiple elevators going back down. So I love your answer. That's amazing. Um, to go back uh, to take a couple steps back. Sorry, that went way too deep, way too fast. Um, I think what's, what's interesting, uh, Bernie, you nah, said a lot of good things. <laughs> you said a lot of good things about portfolios <laughs> earlier. Um, and I wanted to get Nick's take, um, on portfolios because portfolios, everybody thinks portfolios are like art and, and you have to draw. And from the outside eye, it, it, it's definitely an art director type of thing. I need this, but from a digital marketing side, it's extremely necessary. So um, I'm going to answer, a or I'm going to ask you one of the questions, which is what happens when you are just starting out and you don't have a portfolio to build out? Do you, would you recommend just kind of working on your own thing and building out a portfolio yourself? Absolutely. I would 100%. Like that's one of the things that I did when I was starting out was, uh, yeah, take on those passion projects, take on those things that you've had in your head, uh, collaborate, reach out. There's tons of, you know, go on Reddit, you know, go somewhere, post an idea, be like, or ask people for ideas on something like Reddit, be like, get, can somebody feed me some ideas? Like I'm looking for something or like, if you look at my portfolio, I still have stuff on there for uh, that was spec work for some of the stuff I did for Gillette was it was work that I put up there to show Gillette that I could do something like huh. they wanted like their ad so it wasn't even like I was not commissioned by Gillette to do the work it was something like hey I think I can make an ad that looks like the ads that you have like let me prove it so here's like my proof of work that I can do it and we would do lots of stuff, even like that inside of an agency, we would do things like that to show that we could, uh, we could do the work, we could meet, meet their bar. And I would say that for anyone starting out is, you know, find the brands that you really are passionate about, or you really connect with and look at the, like, their ads that they're doing, or the shoes that they're creating, or the apparel that they're doing. And, you know, let that kind of inform some of your design, show them that you can design in a similar style, show that you can, you know, you have that reach or uh, anything like that. It's really about like, I think those are the things that are really going to set you apart as well as it's, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you're just coming out of college, uh, it's you and your whole graduating class are going to have a really similar portfolio because you had all the same classes. You had a lot of the yeah. same, uh, you know, assignments. So the things that are really going to set you out apart are the, you know, those passion projects, those things that you go above and beyond you do, you know, you do your work assignment, plus you go out and you do your own passion projects as well. So you now have, you know, maybe twice as much work as the, your, you know, your peer next to you. And those are those things that, you know, even if it's, you know, it's close with 
somebody, like if I'm looking at a resume or a portfolio of somebody and they have really similar experience or maybe someone has more experience, but, you know, the, this other person has a portfolio where they showed that they, you know, went out and they tried a whole bunch of new things. They tried some different techniques. Like they continued to keep learning outside of like a set career path. Uh, that makes a big difference to show that you're willing to try new things. You're willing to put in the work. You're that person that like, you know, you're not going to, you're not just the person that gets one assignment and says they're done. You're the person that gets yeah. the assignment, does it, and then continues to keep working to like hone your craft. And that stuff really, really shines and it really matters going forward. And that's probably the best advice I can give anybody is, you know, do your passion projects, do the work that you want to do. And cause that's, that's the type of work you're going to get. So like, if you're doing, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if you're a 3D designer like me, like do the work that you want to be working on. Or if you're a shoe designer, like design for the, like design around the companies that you want to work for, because that's, that's usually the role you're going to probably end up getting, or those are the freelance works that you're going to end up starting to get are the ones that you are passionate about. Not just like, you know, I'm doing this just because I think it would look good on my portfolio. It's, you should do the things that you're passionate about because that's, what's going to attract people towards your work. When we talk about passions, um, Cortez is asking a question on Adidas, Adidas's work culture. And it seems like the three of you both have passions outside of Adidas. And I hope you do. I, I hope I'm right. Um, but if you don't, that's great. You love your jobs. Um, so when we talk about work culture, Adidas is always brought up, especially the, the Portland headquarters, like as a fun environment to work in and everything like that. So the, the three of you want to go into like what your favorite parts about that culture really is and, and what, what really stands out to you. Sure. Um, yeah. I think one of my favorite things, at least when I first started was like, man, the amount of like cool little parties that got thrown, like in the beginning, <laughs> so much fun. Like that was like something I wasn't used to. Like we said, like during the summer, it was like, you know, like every Thursday during the summer, they were like having something and it was like free beer and like free food that like bring in athletes and like, it was super cool. And coming from a smaller company, when I was working in advertising, like we would still have some of those things where like, you know, you'd have happy hour on Fridays and stuff, but this was like on a whole nother level where it was like, you know, thousands of people out in the courtyard, <laughs> like, you know, kicking around giant soccer balls and, you know, like getting free beer and food and just getting to hang out during work hours was super fun. They, they do, you know, since it is a big company, you can feel like you're not really seen as much as like, you know, you're working at a smaller company where the company I was coming from was like 10 people. So it was like, you know, really easy to know everybody and know everything. And when you're at a larger company, you kind of lose that personal uh, effect but I think uh, one of the things that I, I did always like about Adidas is that you did kind of feel like they were looking out for their employees everyone's like you know they felt like you know it's summer like have some fun like you know get out there's summer hours like you know on Fridays it's like a half day like you know you run for the ocean they used to do these, these design expeditions where you can go camping with them and like go float the river and like do these things that allowed you to like bond with your community and build a community around, you know, work, which was really cool, which was something I always like appreciated about the brand. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I'll just uh, riff off of that. I mean, I think they are really invested in getting their employees to create solid friendships, which, you know, always makes working with someone way better. Um, and to another point, um, kind of relating back to uh, our, pre our previous topic, they also have internal groups called ERGs at the mm. company, which are employee resource groups. So there's a Black employee resource group, there's a Latinx employee resource group, um, Asian American, um, LGBTQ, and I'm sure a few that I don't know about right now. Um, but that's also sort of reinforcing um, a sense of unity at the company, um, especially with our minoritized groups, in addition to all the parties and like uh, really making sure everybody feels like you can go up and talk to someone. Like, yeah. I really never felt I mean, I felt a little intimidated, but not super intimidated to like go up to the director of my department, you know, cause I had seen mm -hmm. him like grab a beer at, you know, one of the little parties or whatever. I've seen him like go for a run or something like that. So that's also something I appreciated. Like it's, it's fairly easy to network internally as well, which is also, I think, very important in terms of where you want to drive your career. Definitely. I was, I was even just thinking too, uh, like one thing I love is kind of this like, just relaxed, non-competitive internal environment, you know, like obviously as a brand, like our, our, one of our missions is to like be the best sports company, you know, sportswear company in the world. Right. But there's, there's this really big sense of um, just wanting to build community, you know, and, and we talk about reaching back to the next generation, right. And helping the next generation kind of get to where you're going and stuff. Like I remember thinking like being an intern, putting, putting coffee chats on people's calendars, like random, mm -hmm. like, Hey, I know you're this director of whatever, like, please help me. I just want to get 20 minutes of your time. And I never got anyone that told me no. And they were like, let me help you. Let me answer your questions. And I remember being like floored at how just accepting and, and collaborative these, you know, these employees were. And I was like kind of wide-eyed and innocent. Right. But was really just impressed at this, this, this culture of like, we need to help each other out. And, and it doesn't serve me well to knock you down a couple pegs to make myself look better. Like that's just not our company culture. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some times where you have to just kind of put your head down and get work done. Right. And kind of make tough decisions. Like that comes that that's a part of it, but this, you know, idea of kind of that internal competitiveness, like I've never felt that in my, in my current job, like as recruiters, we're not trying to film a roles in the other person, whatever. It's like, let's just get the best talent for the, for the roles we have open. And let's be highly collaborative and really just work together as a team. And so even as an intern, I saw that. And even in the last couple of years and, you know, being in recruiting that I don't feel this pressure to, to work, you know, eight to five and, you know, work my, you know, my hands to the bone or whatever and stuff. It's like, you can work hard, but you can also play hard too, you know, and whether it's getting involved with ERGs to Bernie's point or the happy hours and the, you know, the run for the oceans and all those fun events and stuff. It's, it's just that time where employees can come together as a group and really celebrate some of our successes and stuff. I've just loved, I have so many stories from over the years, you know, like we all do. So it's, that's kind of where my mind goes with that question is just that kind of highly collaborative, not super competitive internally uh, culture that we have. So um, yeah. Sounds amazing. What um, I have a question from Brennan. Uh, he's an engineer in the sneaker industry already. Um, and is product management certified. So he's wondering what the best way to get noticed uh, by Adidas or Reebok, whether it's his resume or anything like that, what you, what would the three of you, uh, what would be the first steps that the three of you guys would take? Yeah, I, I, I'll start that one off, but it just, I think there's a lot of ways to get noticed. Thank you for your question first off, but 
uh, there's a lot of ways you can get you can notice right now and and when and I keep reflecting on the question you asked earlier what what students should know about the industry today and it, it I'm trying to connect some dots here and one of those dots I'm connecting is the fact that the the um, the insight and kind of the access that you all have as as young career professionals and as students to a company like Adidas is is bigger now than ever, right? Like, you know, thinking about LinkedIn, even just take that as an example, the fact that right now you can connect with so many people across the industry within minutes, you can find who someone is, their work experience, what they do and send them a personalized message literally within five minutes. And so I think when you're starting to kind of think about how do I stand out? One of the ways within, within that is kind of networking, um, but also just kind of, uh, you know, employee referrals is another, another great way to get uh, kind of your foot in the door. Resume is awesome. That's how our recruiters are kind of going to going to do that first assessment. But if we have employees that are coming to us and are saying like, hey, just for, for what it's worth, here are my two cents. Here's a quick referral of a friend of mine or someone who I connected on LinkedIn who just really uh, impressed me from my conversation with them. Here's their name, like look out for them. To us, that, that, that goes a long way. Again, because, you know, our employees are trying to look out for others. And so that referral, I think, is a really great way to stand out. And so utilizing some of those resources and, and uh, kind of those things at your fingertips that you can access now, like a LinkedIn, uh, is a great way just to, to expand your network, to get to know people and to kind of build those relationships, because ultimately those are, are some ways that you can uh, kind of start to see some momentum within the application process. Um, again, we could do a whole resume workshop. We could do a whole <laughs> workshop, but I'm trying to stay away from that a little bit. But you know, kind of that relationship building is is one way that is is super super important. Interesting. So I have a question from Chase Anderson. He's from Utah State University Outdoor Product Design and Development. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us, Chase. Um, he's asking uh, how important are Adidas campus visits in person and virtual to helping you identify future talent for internship or full-time positions. Um, they pride themselves on bringing guest speakers and recruiters to meet in with students. And uh, the students really love the face-to-face -face type of thing. But um, I think the, the way he's going about this is how important is the campus visits versus recruiters actually going to schools to actually sit down with these students. Yeah, I think it's Chase. Thanks for your question too. I um, there's a, there's a there's a balance to that, right? Because I think a lot of it is it's fun to see the campus, right? To see our village, uh, to see kind of those cool benefits, right? Like get a tour of the gym, and we have some beautiful new buildings that I just can't wait to hopefully go see uh, sometime in the near future. But um, yeah, I think that's great. That's a great benefit to get that FaceTime like at Adidas or on campus. Um, but yeah, attending those career fairs and things like that, like those, uh, those events are really helpful. And as, as sometimes tough as they are, right, as a student, you don't really want to spend your Friday night going to a Q&A panel of, of uh, industry professionals and whatever. You'd rather just go like hang out with friends. Like I get that. Uh, but sometimes those events can provide such valuable insight and, and uh, into the industry. And so someone from Adidas could come and speak to you, whether it's someone from my team or, uh, you know, a hiring manager those events are, are really important. So I wouldn't focus too much on where it is. It's fun to see our campus and it's fun to see kind of those benefits of our physical working environment sometimes. Um, it's a huge benefit of working at the brand, but um, you know, a lot of the insight and a lot of the um, uh, kind of advice you'll get from other events are just as important. So it's, it's a 50-50 it's a balance of both. Um, I don't know if that avoids your question or answers it, but 
just yeah, a little insight there. <laughs> <laughs> so de obviously design is extremely hot as, as we were talking about earlier, the fact that um, when most people are thinking about the sneaker industry, they're thinking uh, sneaker design. They're not thinking about all the different opportunities because for honestly, for, for lack of education, they're not, everybody is educated to all the different opportunities within the industry. So can we talk about those, those opportunities that might be, you don't have to just study design. You don't have to just study um, industrial design or art or anything like that. You, you can study different things and still be involved with Adidas. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll just, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 go for it, go for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you can, there's, so you have to think about like, Adidas is creating shoes within like an ecosystem, right? There's like the mm -hmm. shoe itself, but then there's the marketing around the shoe. There's the photography, there's the videography, there's the copywriting, you know, there's the um, color materials production, there's, you know, the whole manufacturing process. So it's a 3D um, process that Nick works on. Like there, you had to think about like, what all does it take to bring this shoe to market? And there are thousands of jobs within each of those. Um, like I'm still kind of in the realm with of design, mm -hmm. but not shoe design. So like I said, I studied illustration, but I ended up doing graphic design and art direction. And then with on my team, there are copywriters, photographers, um, illustrators, animators, and uh, video editors. So even within just one little pod, and there's multiple people of, who do all those roles. So even that is all design, but none of it's footwear design. So if people can start thinking like that too, and just expand a little bit, um, there's really so many more opportunities, even though footwear design is super dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I would absolutely echo that. Like, I had that same feeling when I was coming out of school, like I was studying animation and I thought it was like, you work at Pixar, you don't get a job. Like I thought it was mm -hmm. like, you know, like that's the only industry that you can work in is like film. And, you know, I, my first job that I got was actually doing print work for advertising. Like I was like, why didn't I think that was a thing? And then there was like, you know, brand design stuff. But then, you know, it's the same kind of, feeling like when you look at Adidas is like, you know, it's more than just, just designing a shoe or just designing apparel. There's teams of people that work on every, you know, new shoe that comes out or every garment that gets created is like, it's a team of people that are doing that. So there's so many more opportunities and yeah, there's like tons of uh, software stuff like even if you're like a programmer and computer science like you know like we we build a lot of 3d software like we build a lot of plugins for stuff so we're we're looking for programmers and people with computer science backgrounds and you know art backgrounds and like actual you know physical sample making there's sewing like you know there's so many opportunities out there outside of just being a designer and uh yeah i think it's I think that's a great question because it is super easy to just be like, you know, there's only one way in and it's being a designer yeah. and that's the only way you get to where you're going, but there's so many more opportunities. It's, it's actually funny. Oh. When I was, I was just thinking of, um, I was, had, I had a conversation when I first started in recruiting like three and a half years ago and 
being in HR, you don't really think like being in a creative role, right? Izzy, I love how you open the call. You call this all creative and I appreciate that because <laughs> you don't get called creative all the time, but we are creative. Uh, but it was funny because when I first started TA, you know, I was town acquisition. I was like, you know, man, if I could go back to school, like I would love to do product development. Honestly, I'd probably want to do something in textiles. Like it'd be so fun to like work with product and stuff. And, um, and then I saw like a really cool commercial we put out and I was talking to one of my colleagues about it. And I was like, dang, that would be really fun to work on that project and be really close to product like that, you know? And they said, well, yeah, but we get to hire the people who work on those dope projects. And so mm. even in a non-product facing role, right? Everyone in the brand has a piece of the pie uh, that and we're all successful in the way of like making things work. We're all a cog in the wheel. And whether it be in, in finance or IT or HR, or you're in a footwear design role, like everyone has a part to play in that. And so thinking about creative roles and stuff and product facing roles, yes, those are those some of those, you know, kind of cool titles and stuff are out there, but there's so many roles out there that you might not think of, they might not be top of mind that um, have, they, they, you know, they have, they play a part in the success in that. So even in recruiting, right, even in HR, uh, you have um, a really big uh, part to play in, in making product hit market and stuff. So uh, anyways, just made me kind of think about that conversation from way too long ago, but uh, it's an interesting point. It's crazy that this is even brought up because uh, my brother just graduated from college with a finance degree and he's like, oh, I have to join a firm. And I was like, that's cool. I mean, sounds great. Like I've never been good with numbers to be honest. Like I, that at half the things he tells me just go straight over my head. But I was like, there's gotta be other roles. Like you don't want to work for a brand or something. He's like, can I, I'm like, I, I you have a degree in it. I, I'm asking you like, and after a few weeks he found out like, wow, I can work. He's in Chicago. I can work for the White Sox in finance, still get still to do the same, same damn thing. But I'm working for a company that I think is cool rather than working in house. And um, for lack of better terms, just hating his job because he was not really passionate about the, the overarching goal, which Adidas, you're sitting in your, your position and you're saying, wow, I would love to do that. But then like that one thing that you're told just like, almost like is the last piece of the puzzle and shows people like, Hey, um, or shows you like, Hey, this, you are a piece of this. You just have to look at it differently. So I love that. Um, we have about 14 minutes and I want to talk about this campaign that you guys are currently working on, which is called impossible is nothing. And when you said it earlier, the first name that came to mind was Kevin Garnett. And uh, that's because of who I am. And, uh, you know, early 2000s, 90s basketball came to mind immediately. So uh, does someone want to go into what is the current day impossible is nothing? And, and why is it? Why is it so like, uh, exciting right now? Bernie might be close enough, closer to that. Than... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was gonna say you did like a really good like, summation earlier but um <laughs> so our impossible is another campaign is kind of like uh basically kind of showing the sort of humble beginnings of a lot of our athletes and our um biggest collaborators right we've done beyonce we've done mo salala we've done you know some of our biggest um talent but also wanting to acknowledge like impossible is nothing could be you know you just kind of getting up after a hard day you know and putting on your shoes and you know, going to face your your um, 
uh, going to face your day when you don't feel like it. Um, so it's really a campaign that's trying to humanize, um, uh, you know, the people that we idolize and see that, you know, they came from these quote unquote impossible beginnings and, and um, brought their biggest dreams to fruition and hopefully inspire people to try and uh, strive to do the same. Um, yeah, so it, it's a really cool campaign. Uh, my team was on it at the inception of it and trying to help develop that. And, you know, how are we going to tell that story and what's it going to look like? Um, so, so yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool to see it out in the world now too. That's dope. That's super dope. What does, uh, when I say impossible is nothing, what, what does that, what's the first thing that comes to mind for the three of you? Nobody else is going to say KG. I know that at least. <laughs> not Nick, not, not a, not a Bulls fan. I mean. <laughs> hey, that's, that's why I said KG. Cause I didn't like his face for so long. I mean, when I, when I think about impossible is nothing, and I don't mean to sound this to make this sound like kind of ominous, right. But when I think of impossible is nothing, I think about my job in recruiting and the fact that I, in my opinion, I have like the best job in the world. Like, I get to help students find jobs. We get to find the best talent and people work years to try to get into a company like Adidas. And it's amazing when you get to offer someone a role, they move to Portland, right? Like they kind of mm-hmm. up lives, they have this new beginning and it's like the kind of this dream come true. And it's really, really impactful to be on the other side of that and kind of help kind of those conversations uh, happen. But one thing that people don't really realize is recruiting is really tough on the other side of it. And you get hundreds of applicants per role and you can only offer it to one person. And so when I think of impossible as nothing, I think of how many times in my role I have to face rejection in that way of providing feedback to candidates who didn't get selected or students who didn't get the internship. And it's, it's, it kind of takes its toll on you. And, uh, and so that's, you know, that's kind of where my mind goes originally, but then it's, it's, okay, how are we going to kind of work towards reaching those goals? And how are we going to use that as motivation to propel you into your next step? And I, I sat down with um, uh, kind of a mentor and, and um, someone who spoke to my internship class again back in 2017. Um, and she was a guest speaker at this event and I got coffee with her afterwards. And I just remember hearing about her story and um, you know, she kind of bounced around from her role and, and her path to the brand wasn't linear. And I was like, how did you keep your perspective and how did you face rejection so often and now you're here? And um, she said, you know, the best advice she ever got was the fact that no doesn't mean no. Sometimes no just means not now. And mm-hmm. that phrase stuck with me like Damn, I, I love that. almost every day in my job mm-hmm. about how taking that as not a closed door, but has an opportunity just to pivot and keep walking down the hallway to the next opportunity. And, uh, you know, every no you hear is just getting you one step closer to hearing that yes. So I go on that rant just to say, you know, when you think about impossible is nothing is sometimes as a young student, you might think that getting into this company is really daunting. It's impossible. It's years and years away. Um, but there's so much uh, access. There's so much um, excitement and, and kind of connection that you can make now that will open those doors in the future for you. So just kind of keeping that perspective is going to be super important in me and my role, just focusing on the yeses I do get to give and not the no's that I have to give sometimes. <laughs> Uh, it just makes it oh so sweet, you know, when you get to be, you know, on the on the other side of that. So um, that's how I really connect with that campaign. I love it. I think it's really personal. And and um, hats off to all the teams, Bernie's team, and every other team that worked on it. Is it's a pretty, it's really fun to watch it kind of come to life. But yeah. I love that. 
So I have a question and uh, Dion, the guy that set this all up, the mastermind behind the scenes, um, he helps me out with a podcast and just kind of figuring out what questions to ask and figure out like a staple question to ask. And uh, I'm going to ask it. It's not branded or anything like that, but uh, it's interesting because I get a lot of different like obscure types of types of answers. So um, we're going to go Nick first, uh, then Bernie, then Colin. Cool for answers. So the, the question is, when it's all said and done, what impact do you want to leave on the world? Oh, man. I think if you had asked me this earlier in my career, I would say, like, I want to make, like, the coolest, you know, most inspiring art, all that stuff. And I yeah. think the, the older I get and the more I'm in the industry, I think the thing that I have really started to gravitate towards is you know helping people find these opportunities it's it's actually like it's really like teaching mentoring that stuff is so important to me now is like you know i i don't do as much art and production as i used to do and i think mm -hmm. really it's just becoming more about like showing people that it is possible to get where you want to go helping people see those opportunities like we were talking about earlier is like, you know, there are so many more opportunities to get into companies, like letting people understand that and knowing that like, you know, when you're first starting out, everything seems so daunting. Everything seems so big. And like, you're somehow like expected to know all the answers and like, mm -hmm. that's extremely stressful to be like, you know, I'm going out in this world and there's so much that I don't know. And it's just helpful. I think, for me, I had a great mentor or somebody that saw potential in myself and that changed everything for me. So I think the older I'm getting, the, you know, the more that I want to do that, I want to give back to that because that was such a big part of when I was starting out was just somebody taking the chance and seeing the potential that I had and giving me the opportunity. Uh, because like, you know, like we were saying that like sometimes when you're starting out these jobs say like you need five years experience or whatever and you're like I don't I don't have any I'm trying to get that experience. <laughs> really it just takes one person to like give you that opportunity and it really just takes one person to believe in you and that can make all of the difference. So that's kind of the impact that I want to give is I want to give as many of the, as many of those opportunities as I can. I love that. What a uh, perfect answer. <laughs> um, no, but I'm very much in the same realm because much like our, our whole conversation, I didn't know this job existed until I found myself in it. I didn't know mm -hmm. someone who looked like me, who came from the city I came from, um, could be doing the things that I am doing. And so I always want to be, you know, the person who holds the door open for whoever's behind me, you know? So I think I want to find as many opportunities as possible with the platform that we have, because we are so fortunate to be here to um, facilitate that for others, you know, whether it's through my professional work, whether it's through like, even just showing up as a black artist, uh, I'm a muralist mm -hmm. outside of work, but I try to incorporate those two worlds and show, hey, whether you want to do the artsy thing, whether you want to do design thing or any, any goal that you have, um, if you're willing to put in the work, you can achieve it. And I, I just want to, you know, like, like, like Nick was saying, be a mentor to as many as possible to, to just give them that push. Even if I don't know the answer, if you just need like a little push mm -hmm. or encouragement, I want to be that, that person. So. 
well, we're just going to have, we're, I'm just going to copy and paste. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yes to both. I mean, I love what you both said. And, and I, again, kind of in my, in my situation, kind of what I started the call with saying is I had a lot of people looking out for me, you know, for my internship and um, not just opening the door, but just having that conversation even was life-changing for me, right. Of just them thinking up, thinking about me, looking out for me. Uh, and so when I think about what I, you know, kind of maybe like a legacy or something that I want to live is, is doing that for someone else and knowing that uh, there's so much power in community. There's so much power in looking and, and looking out for one another and helping each other out that, um, you know, even just opening a door for, you know, maybe it's a student along the way who hasn't had the opportunity yet, doesn't have work experience, but gets to be a part of our internship program and then they crush it and they get a full-time job. And then five years later, they're reflecting back and they're in this position, right? And it's, to me, like that would be just absolutely life-changing. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's an opportunity for me in my current role, obviously helping students. I love it. It gives me so much energy and, and drive, but, um, you know, our company culture is made up of, of, of people and, and the people really get to kind of dictate and drive a lot of what we stand for and, and what we do. And so for me, I really want to legal, leave a legacy where the people, the next generation entering the brand leaves it better than even they found it. And it just kind of continues to build that, um, that positive, you know, change and that positive momentum. So if I can do that for one person, that is more than enough for me, but, uh, even, you know, uh, a few people would just be awesome. So for me, it's just, I want to look out for somebody the same way that I had so many people looking out for me and, um, before I got started. Well, I appreciate the three of you joining me today and just having a conversation about obviously just how, breaking into the industry, but I feel like we talked about so much more at the same time. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see um, the new round of inter interns at Adidas and what they end up doing. And then hopefully uh, more and more interns to come from there. So I'm mm -hmm. super excited to see that. And I'm super excited to see uh, hopefully some interns out of sneaker school too. So um, I appreciate the three of you guys and uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Thanks thank you me. everyone. Thank you. Izzy. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was great. Thank you for listening to the strange on purpose podcast. As always, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes before, please like review, follow the podcast on Instagram, drop a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you check us out helps the podcast grow immensely. So I appreciate you. I could not do this without you. 